Pastor Ed Taylor believes 1 Peter is such a highly applicable book for us today. He says, I know you're hurting right now. I know you're on the run. I know you've lost everything. I know you want to quit. I know you're mad at God. I know you're mad at Rome. I know you're mad at one another. This is my word for you. Serious, watchful, prayerful. Make sure you love one another. Make a great emphasis on that. That's the most important thing. And once you've got those things taken care of, serve the Lord. This is no time. Difficult times is no time to go backwards. It's time to press in. This is amazing grace. You know, there is no shortage of bad news in the world today, but today on Abounding Grace, we want to give you the best news you can possibly hear. Jesus is alive and coming again soon. Now with that in mind, how should we be living? We'll unpack that for you through a study in 1 Peter chapter 4. Pastor Ed Taylor says this is not the time to be asleep, but rather actively serving the Lord. And so here when the Bible says in the last days, seriousness, watchfulness, prayerfulness, fervent love, and serve out of a gracious motivation. Not because you have to, but because you understand the days in which you live. You know where you belong in the body of Christ. Every single one of us in the body of Jesus Christ has received a spiritual gift to use for the glory of God. And a gift is different than a talent. You learn that in that series on spiritual gifts. And so you ask the question, what do I, how do I know what gifts I have? Well, you can listen to that series, but I also want to give you a few questions to ask of yourself as you consider your spiritual gifts. Number one, some practical considerations. What comes naturally in your life? What comes naturally? In other words, what happens in your life automatically when there is a need placed before you? Do you like to administrate? Like when something's chaotic and it just bugs you to no end and you want to bring order to that, you probably have the gift of administration because that's what people do. Like some of you don't even know, you don't even see disorder. Disorder's normal to you, not the gift of administration. <laughs> but those that can't stand that and just love things to be in order, love things to be efficient, love things to, to, to operate much more smoothly, there's administration there. Or how about when there's a need bit, when you see a need and you just want to jump in and take care of it? Perhaps you have the gift of helps, where you just want to get things done. You just want to help get things done. That's it. You don't worry, you don't worry about the order or disorder. You just know when somebody tells you to do something, you're going to help them. You have the gift of helps. How about, uh, do you have a care? Like, like when, you, when you see or hear about, I don't know, you're watching the news and, and you hear about a cat that's stuck in a tree. And when you hear about a cat that's stuck in the tree, your first response is, oh, please get that cat out of the tree. How's that cat going to get out? What if it falls? Oh. Maybe as a kid, you would bring home birds with broken wings and try to nurse them back. You know, there's a gift that describes that personality. You know what it is? The gift of mercy. You know, a lot of people in the care industry, nurses, doctors, those first responders, those that like to be teachers, they have the gift of mercy. 
They're very merciful. And that's how God made you. Those are all God-given gifts that walk alongside of your personality. Isn't that great? God doesn't want to ruin your life. He wants to enhance your life. Number two, what comes naturally? Number two, what comes spiritually? What comes to you spiritually? Are you the type that you can't hold back when you meet someone new? You just have to share with them the love of Jesus? Well, you're doing the work of an evangelist. And a work of evangelist is a teacher. You're teaching them what it means to be lost and to be saved. And you're doing the work of an evangelist. You, you may try to shy away from the call, but as it just pushes you spiritually, you can't shake it. I remember many years ago, there was a brother here that was teaching, and he had a role of teaching here, uh, but it didn't come naturally to him. But he was willing. He was willing to put in the work, and he was willing to, to for a season, just really apply himself to teaching. But it didn't come really natural to him, and it actually didn't come very spiritual to him. And I was noticing that in the fruit or the lack thereof in his ministry. So I sat down with him to talk to him about that. And as we were talking about it, you know, I found out that he hated to study. He just didn't want to study, didn't like putting the time in. And so he would often take shortcuts and he would copy this and do this. And he wouldn't put the time to study in. And because he really didn't want to place, put the time to study in, he learned that teaching wasn't his primary gift. And he stepped away from that ministry because it just frustrated him. He didn't enjoy it. What moves you spiritually? What comes naturally? Number three, look in your life. What is blessed by God? What is blessed by God? Be on the lookout for the fruit of your labors. And also be on the lookout for the lack of fruit in your labors. Are you merciful and people listen when you counsel? When you teach, do people learn and respond? What is God blessing as you abide in Christ? Because if it's not blessed of God, you may want to continue in prayer and step out into new areas of ministry. I make a joke about this, but I'm really serious. When we ask for people that greet, uh, like on a Sunday morning, and you're not a morning person, you're probably not a greeter either. You know, that's the last thing we need is a, somebody coming in. They just woke up themselves, visiting the church. They've never been here. And you're the first person they meet. Welcome. <laughs> what do you want? I haven't had my coffee yet. They took away the free coffee in this church. You probably don't want to come here. <laughs> no, you know, we need to hide you in the morning. You might want to serve on second service, or you may want to, like you, there's not going to be fruit if you just aren't a morning person. Well, we're, it's okay if you're not a morning person, but don't do something in the morning. Know that that's not from you. I, I remember the first time I felt a sense to, to a call to teach and to lead. I was a new believer, and they allowed me to lead a home Bible study. Mistake number one. And as I was leading this home Bible study, I really believe that in ministry, it was just teaching. That's, I really had no concept of ministry at all. I just thought I was teaching. So I prepare a Bible study, and I show up at this house, and I teach a group of people. Until, as you get involved in other people's lives, there's difficulties. And teaching isn't just merely the preparation of a Bible study and delivering a message for a few minutes. It's also getting involved in people's lives and handling the Bible in such a way where those that are under your care right? You're not just teaching, but you're caring for people. The Bible actually says that we watch over souls, that you also have to deliver the Bible in sensitive areas, in sensitive things. And there was a difficulty in that particular Bible study that 
I was called to take care of, and I absolutely blew it. I just, I blew it so bad that the previous leader of that home Bible study came back and they voted me out of leadership. They told me, don't, you can't leave. I was not even in a position. There was no fruit from my life. There were other things God needed to deal with in my life and grow me and teach me. Yeah, I was on the long burn. That was a long fuse of discipleship before God would ever entrust to me another group of people. And he put me in a, a wide variety of different places that were very humbling and very difficult and very unseen. The, the, the first place of responsibility that I was given after that failure as a home Bible study leader was to serve in the nursery and the whole babies and uh, to be back there with screaming, crying babies. And God was teaching me how to care for other people's children. He was teaching me how to submit to leadership, those that God had put over my care. He was teaching me that, that babies can tell when they're loved and cared for, and they can tell when they're not. They have a unique ability to, to, to I don't know how they do it. They just are able to say, they're able to, to and, and if they're still kind of hesitant, then you can learn how to gain their trust so that you can comfort them until their parents come back. And then I go from babies to pre-K, four-year-olds, and I keep going through, and I went, ended up going through the entire area of teaching every single age group except for junior high and high school. And then after teaching every single age group over a series of years, then I was entrusted with overseeing all the teachers and all the kids. And then I did that for many years until God then opened another door over here and another door over here, and I began to see where there was fruit from my life. And you don't want to keep moving in a direction where there's just no fruit. You need to admit that God's not in this. We approach that as a church here too. I know not everyone is happy about this, but when we begin to see a ministry is no longer bearing fruit, we let it go. We don't try to prop it up and, oh, we got to keep this going because it's absolutely necessary that we have this ministry because every church in town has that ministry. So we want to be like every church in town. No, that's not how we approach things. If there's no fruit, then we let it go. It doesn't mean, you know, and you remember this, not from the Lord and also in the life of your church, especially if you're new here. It, not now doesn't mean not forever. It just means not now. And we need to admit that there, even on a personal level, we need to come to terms with the Lord. If there's no fruit in what you're attempting, then why are you doing it? God is going to demonstrate, and the fruit that comes is not your energy and effort. It's not the conclusion from you. It is God's blessing upon his ministry through your life. You know your ministry, you're ministering it, and there is fruit from it. If there's not, it's good to pause. God may want you to continue in prayer. Why? Because the whole purpose back in Peter now is that if anyone ministers, verse 11, let him do it with the ability that God supplies, and that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. God has not given you a gift to glorify you, so that people will look to you, so that you'll have a platform, so that you people will know how gifted you are. Nobody cares how gifted you are. It's for the glory of God, for His dominion, His kingdom, not your own. And it's very important that you learn that, whether you learn that here or you learn that somewhere else. We serve the Lord to shine the light on Jesus, not our own little, we're not here, we're not here to build our own little kingdom. 
We're here to promote the kingdom of God for his glory. It's for so that God might be glorified. And this is all in the context of the pain and suffering that the early church was going through. He says, I know you're hurting right now. I know you're on the run. I know you've lost everything. I know you want to quit. I know you're mad at God. I know you're mad at Rome. I know you're mad at one another. This is my word for you. Serious, watchful, prayerful. Make sure you love one another. Make a great emphasis on that. That's the most important thing. And once you've got those things taken care of, serve the Lord. This is no time. Difficult times is no time to go backwards. It's time to press in. And that's why I think Peter is just such an applicable book for our day and age. Challenging times require us to press into the heart of God, not pull back. Let me show you one more thing. Would you turn over to Romans chapter 13? Romans chapter 13. We studied this in depth when we went through Romans, uh, but I want to paraphrase or at least come and give a a little bit of oversight here because Paul tells the Romans the same thing. You're going to find this call to waking up and watchfulness is a common one, this call to love, so that the church would be known for our love for one another. Notice Romans 13 and verse 11. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now we were just reading Peter, right? First Peter chapter 4. Now we're reading someone by the name of Paul writing to a whole different group of people at a different time in the first century. Do they sound alike? Yes, no? Sounds the same, right? Two different men writing to two different churches in two different time periods, right? You know, separated by a few years. You want to know why they sound alike? Because God is the author of the Bible. And the Holy Spirit has inspired both Paul and Peter to say the same thing. Different words, different, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of adjustment. But God has inspired two separate men at two different times in two different places to do different churches to say the same thing. And so here we are now, 2,000 years later. What are we hearing? The same thing. It's time to wake up, church. The coming of the Lord is nearer. Verse 12, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry, not in drunkenness, not in licentiousness, not in lewdness, not in strife and envy. So there's some sexual sins, some partying sins, but don't, you, don't, you, don't miss the last two. Not in strife and envy. Now, if you guys like to put things together, you can go home and do your homework. Compare what Peter said in chapter 4 to what Paul said in your chapter 13 and do a little bit of arrows between, when well, Peter said it this way, but Paul said it this way. And when Peter said love covers a multitude of sins, Paul says, stop striving and envy, being envied with one another. Stop fighting, church. You're fighting the wrong enemy. When you fight one another in the body of Christ, when we major on the minors in the body of Christ, then we are fighting the wrong enemy. Believers are not our enemies. The devil is our enemy. False teachers are our enemies. False doctrine is an enemy. But believers are not enemies, even if they do things a little differently and they have a different flavor of how they worship God. Heaven's going to be, one of the surprises of heaven, besides you getting in, is the diversity of everyone that's in heaven. He said, you're going to get in heaven and you got in and what they're going to say about you, you got in, we got in. Yes. And you're different and I'm different. That's why there's a variety of churches in our community. So there's a variety of people, a variety of personalities. 
And there's just some personality. Some churches have a more high energy personality. Some churches have low energy. Some churches are in the middle. But God uses us all as we agree on the fundamentals of the faith. There are brothers, and you guys listening on the radio right now, you, you're watching online, you may do things a little differently than us. You may participate, worship a little different. You, you might have different, but listen, as a true brother and sister in the Lord, you are our brothers and sisters. You are our family. We want to yoke together with every real church in this community to reach the lost so that he gets the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That is the work of God among us. So these last days, the word is to wake up. And I know some of you fell asleep during this. Wake up. Wake up. I remember, t- <laughs> I remember back in the school, back in the school, the chairs were so close. We were like right there. I was on, the, the pulpit was on the floor and the chairs were like there. And there was this guy up front that always fell asleep. One, one Sunday, he was clipping his fingernails right during the teaching. That was one week. But most weeks he fell asleep. He would just fall asleep right there. You can hear him snow sometimes in the second or third row. And I remember one week, one Sunday, I was just feeling a little, um, you know, just a little, I don't know, playful. And there was a part in the message where I could raise my voice a little bit. And that, that old pulpit that was the principal's pulpit, it was a big wood one, made all this echo. I remember just going, boom, wake up. And it's, oh, he woke up. And it would have been funny if he felt what he didn't. But he did wake up. So, but I learned this too. This is something I learned back in California because I taught on Thursdays. I was the singles pastor for two and a half years and I taught on Thursdays and that was our Thursday night meeting. And you know, it was hard to get to church on Thursdays. It was a long week and, and people came and they fell asleep. And in the beginning, I didn't really understand it. Like, so I was a little offended. I was like, man, what's wrong with my teaching? I'm just putting people to sleep. But, but as I began to talk with folks and learn why they were falling asleep, you know, 12-hour days, five days a week, like, it, it's okay. You fall asleep. You come here awake. You come here asleep. The Holy Spirit will get to your spirit. It's all right. It's better to be asleep here where the Holy Spirit can speak to you uh, than to be snoozing, watching TV off and on at home. And the Holy Spirit loves you. And yeah, you might be sleeping, you might be tired tonight, but what you've presented to him, God will use. I mean, I'd rather have five minutes of you awake than nothing. And then you just get the rest that you need. And you ask God to give you the strength. And then you keep coming on a midweek because God will honor that. You will leave and you will be blessed that you came. You will be blessed. And so he says, wake up. It's time to wake up. You're asleep spiritually. Cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light. And I would just say this, my final word. Don't give an inch to your flesh, church. Don't feed your flesh. Don't give an inch to it. Make no provision. Isn't that what he says in verse 14? Put, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Don't feed it. Don't coddle it. Don't make excuses for your flesh. Crucify your flesh. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of you, you've got to watch, you've got to get rid of certain shows. And others of you, you've got to get rid of different internet stuff. You've got to put stuff on your, maybe you need to get rid of your smartphone. But you need to not make provision for your flesh. You need to avoid certain places. You need to get off social media. I don't know what it is. I can go through a list of things. But I promise you, if you ask the Lord, He knows what it is. And He'll show you, stop feeding your flesh. You think you're going to get away with it? Do you think it's not going to end? Well, you think it's just going to, well, you know, I can kind of control my flesh. You know, it's okay. It's all fine. No, make no provision is, the, is what God says. 
And if your heart is left to its own, remember, our hearts will deceive us. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Paul said in Romans chapter 7 verse 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh no good thing dwells. No good thing. And so I want to learn to stay away as far away from sin and temptation as possible. I don't want to feed my flesh. I don't want to make excuses for it. I want to live a crucified life. Crucify my flesh and reckon the old man dead. I want to walk in the newness of life. I want to walk in the holiness that comes by faith in Jesus. I want to walk in the purity that comes by trusting him. I want to live in righteousness and truth. We want to be found in him, awake, walking, living in the spirit. You're listening to Abounding Grace and a message from Pastor Ed Taylor called, It's Not Time to Sleep. Hear it again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, as we've been talking about the return of Christ today, what are you seeing right now that would seem to suggest the rapture and the second coming could happen very soon? Well, Larry, you know, that is a great question. And I always like to remind people that the rapture of the church and the second coming are separated by seven years, you know? Uh, So we know that the rapture, Jesus returning for his church, is going to come. Well, I was just reading recently in Thessalonians of how we're to look and how the church in Thessalonica, I should say, uh, was given insight in chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians. He said, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that's worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I mean, the great deception, this Antichrist spirit, the Antichrist, capital A. I mean, look at the the way the world is going. What do I see today? I see a globalism increasing. I see the rich becoming richer and those that are not rich becoming poorer. Uh, I'm seeing uh, overreach from government and making decisions and forcing things upon people um, against their wishes, against their desires, against their religious. Just recently in New York, the Supreme Court upheld Uh, the decision for the city of New York to mandate uh, the taking of medicine into your body, um, that there's no religious exemption. And our own Supreme Court said, yes, that's okay. And that's happening around the world where there are no convictions anymore. Everyone needs to do what they're told. And you've got to understand globalism is a part of the end times. Uh, One world government, one world currency, one world leader, anti-Christ, anti-God. In front of the UN recently, they put a new statue that uh, was the body of a lion with the wings of an eagle. And doesn't that sound familiar? Uh, That the Bible predicts um, that the the demonic realm, um, you know, they put a demonic looking statue in front of the UN. It's I don't have the article open in front of me, but man, I mean, it, it is it is wild. Uh, it resembles the end time beast. Here, let me pull up the article real quick. I know we're listening on the radio, but uh, let me, um, a new giant statue installed outside of United Nations headquarters in Manhattan, New York, is likened to the end times beast described by the Apostle John in Revelation 13 two. 
I mean, they could put anything that they want out there, but the UN is showing their cards, you know, and and so just that's from the Christian Post, by the way. Um, but just for the sake of you guys listening in, uh, there's a lot going on. Seems to be happening rapid fire. But Jesus said, when you start seeing these things, look up for your redemption draws near and that we would be busy about the business of the church as the end times unfold around us. That is very exciting. Come, Lord Jesus. Please remember, Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. We look to the Lord to provide and guide. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Lee Strobel's excellent book, The Case for Heaven. This is a must-read for anyone who wonders what's next after we die. As a journalist, he investigates all the evidence for life after death. Call us now at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryco.store. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 1 Peter. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.